Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 148 of Drink the Movies. I am Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, uh, there's uh, there's two types of uh, romantic comedies uh, in the world. Uh, you've got the uh, the standard, you know, boy meets girl, uh, boy and girl run away and fall madly in love uh, and live happily ever after the end. Um, and then there's the kind, like the film we're talking about today, where you need like a roadmap and like a, a diagram of how all of these relationships work. Uh, and that is 2003's Love Actually. That is right. Uh, and what better way to really talk about all the different kinds of love that we're going to see uh, than at Christmas time, where it's a celebration of love and laughter, and it's set in England, which sounds really cozy to us Americans. I mean, let's be let's be clear. This is a film that was totally made for American ladies. Uh, I feel like in two thousand three, um, yeah, totally. It's 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 one of those. Um, I feel that became this very hip idea of the intelligent romantic comedy. So it wasn't just boy meets girl. It wasn't just, you know, Hey, there's a, there's a love and tension. And then there's something that they have to overcome. And then everything's all hunky dory at the end. And they all, they go off riding into the sunset. I feel like this was one of the first uh, in a series of of films that were very intelligently done talking about all the different aspects that go into love uh, in a much more realistic way. Um, So it doesn't always end beautifully um it might end beautifully but it might not always end happily does that make sense that's right yeah it's going to uh, explore kind of all the different uh kind of aspects and facets of love here as we go through uh these tales of love and relationships in the story but you know before we do that there's about a thousand characters we're going to keep straight and to do that we're going to have to stay hydrated michaela yes so it's important that right now we take a quick break and we'll be right back to whip up this week's cocktail be right back when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Brian, we got to talk a little bit about uh, two of these characters that are in this film um, and two their names. Two of the 1,000 characters. Two of the 1,000, yeah. And uh, it's Colin. Colin and his friend, whose name I can't remember. Uh, but they're sitting in a place. They're sitting in a bar. And Colin is like, I've got I've got it. And he's English. Uh, this, this all takes place in London. And he's like, I am going to go to America. The problem is English girls are all stuck up and snobby, but American chicks are all hot and cute and they're going to love me. I look like a dork here, but there I will be this sex god is what he's thinking. And so he goes to a place called Milwaukee and he <laughs> thinks it's like, he's so excited about it. He's going for Christmas. He's like, it's going to be amazing. Um, and that is what inspired you to go find this drink. That's that's right. That seems very uh the very stereotypical. That's okay. Um, and is uh Colin and Tony, um, is the other uh the other name 
there for sure. Uh, and yeah, Colin does find his way to America. He lands in beautiful uh, Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So we're thinking, you know, what are we going to do for love? Actually, there actually is a cocktail called love, actually, which is like a champagne thing. It has some, um, I don't know, some a bunch of other like fruit juice and stuff like that. And I was like, that sounds that sounds pretty good. But uh, let's uh, let's take it down a notch. Let's do what Colin would do. And that is go to the first like dive bar you can find in Wisconsin. And in fact, I think he lands in Wisconsin, gets in the taxi and he says, take me to a bar. I don't care what bar just take me to a bar um and that's what we're doing and we are going to the famous cleo's cocktail lounge um in wisconsin um and the reason I picked this and the reason I picked kind of the the cocktail that they have here is leo's cocktail lounge has been decorated for christmas uh 24 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days a year since 1970 uh which sounds awesome so we need to i guess we have to go to wisconsin and go to cleo's uh cocktail lounge and while we're there we can have their famous dirty snowball that's right um that sounds amazing uh i keep saying this brian we're gonna we're gonna do a drink the travel show and we're gonna go to these places and we're gonna drink the drinks <laughs> no um, no offense to our wisconsin listeners but uh i think maybe we should find different different destinations maybe especially this time of year it oh, is don't be a naysayer yeah i mean obviously we're gonna go in the middle of christmas in july uh because it'll still be decorated mm. for christmas and it will not be 40 below that is definitely what's gonna happen but uh, the Dirty Snowball is this very famous drink. It is delicious, I will say, if you like cream, True. like uh, uh, creamy alcoholic beverages. If you have taste yeah. buds, it's delicious. Yeah, if you like ice cream, if you like vodka, you know, if you like cream. If you're just a human, uh, you should like this. And uh, But you can find this on keeprecipes.com because that's where Brian found it. Um, and it's mm -hmm. really easy to make. Uh, it's going to take one shot of vodka. Any vodka will do. Um a shot of cream de cacao. Uh, if you make your own, that is awesome, but you don't have to. You can find it at the store. Um, this is a blended drink, so I don't know how needy you're going to... I don't know how important it is for you to have like real nice cream de cacao. I wouldn't worry about it. Just get some. Uh, a shot of some coffee liqueur, so you can do Kahlua, Tia Maria. Um, there's a bunch of local... Wherever you are, there's a local coffee liqueur that's probably amazing. And then a mm -hmm. shot of cream. And then you're going to put this in a blender. You're just going to add some ice to it, depending on how icy you want it. And you're going to blend it. Now, if you want it um, kind of crushed icy, you're just going to blend it a little bit. If you want it to be like a smoothie, you're going to blend it a lot. It's really that simple. Uh, yeah. And you're going to put this in a glass and drink it. You're going to put it in a glass and drink it. Absolutely. You are. Um, yeah. As in terms of your uh, ingredients here, you're making a drink called the dirty snowball. So don't feel obligated to use your uh, highest uh, top shelf vodkas and uh, things like that in here. So go ahead and mix that up. Uh, do with ice. Like Michaela said, I did mine in a Nutribullet and that seemed to be perfect. Uh, you could also do if you don't happen to have cream um, or want something a little bit richer and smoother. You could also do like a scoop of uh, vanilla ice cream or you know chocolate ice cream, you know, kind of whatever uh, you wanted to do there to mix this up or you could probably even use uh if you wanted to you know completely change things up you could use like mint chocolate chip ice cream um and you know what to, i did to do this i do not I, know what you did because we were not together we were not together when we made this i did the first one as as directed and then i added a scoop of cookies and cream because mm, i thought okay. it would definitely look dirty like like dirty snow because of the little granules uh and that was incredible i so recommend it it was 
real, real good. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to be just doing uh, variations of the Dirty Snowball basically through the rest of uh, winter is uh, my understanding here. But yeah, this was really good. And if you have ever been to Cleo's Cocktail Lounge, please tell us about it because it sounds awesome. It looks really cool, the pictures of it online um, and stuff like that. So pretty excited about this cocktail and it's a good one. So make sure you check it out and send us pictures, all that good stuff. Uh, but for now, Michaela, we're going we're going to need the uh, energy that a Dirty Snowball might give you in order to make our way through this story and make heads or tails of it. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to chat about the many branching paths of Love Actually. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Spoiler warning for Love Actually. If you've not seen the 2003 Christmas romantic comedy film that was written and directed by Richard Curtis, um, we're going to talk about all the things. And there's like 87 couples and we're going to talk about all the endings. So... Uh, if you don't want to hear any of those, you need to press pause. You need to go make yourself a dirty snowball or like six of them because they're amazing. And then you need to go watch the film. Uh, it's about two hours and 15 minutes long. It's worth your time. Come back. We could chat all about it. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I'm sure that there's some sort of like drinking game that could be incorporated into love. Actually, uh, I did not take the uh, time to look at that, but I'm sure that that exists um, and could be fun as you go through these thousand uh, relationships, the good, the bad, the ugly and the in between. Uh, this movie came out in 2003, um, as you mentioned, Michaela, and it stars basically everyone. Uh, on the planet, uh, every like uh, English actor <laughs> that was available in 2003 um, is in the film. Uh, I'm going to rattle off a couple of these here uh, because they are the ones that are on the poster, but there's a lot more. So Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Kira Knightley, Martin McCutcheon, Bill Nighy, Rowan Atkinson. So those all get uh, credit on the poster. And like I said, there's a bunch more that we're going to talk about kind of as we go through this, Michaela. So um, the film opens. The film opens awesome. The film closes awesome because it's just like a montage of people reuniting at the airport. So uh, we're watching this last night. My wife said that the opening montage is the best part of the movie. And uh, I don't necessarily disagree with that. So good call. Good call. Good call. That's very nice. And it comes up then with a little kind of voiceover. Um, it's it's uh, Hugh Grant, I think, is doing the voiceover. Is that correct? Is yes, that, correct? that is correct. So. Um, and basically, it ends with him saying that love actually is all around. And then we find out that it is five weeks until Christmas, and we are about to get a new slamming Christmas tune from Billy Mac. From Billy Mac, uh, which is amazing because he's like, this is horrible. It's basically the song Love is All Around. Um, and we should know who actually wrote Love is All Around because we are also Drink the Movies. Um, so hold on. <laughs> Who did that? Love is all around. Uh, it was a song by the English rock band called The Trogs, and it was released in 1967. It was a top 10 hit in both the UK and US. Uh, but they they wanted to capitalize on that, and they did Christmas is all around. And so mm -hmm. they tried uh, Billy Mac, played by the amazing by Billy Mac, played uh, by the amazing Bill Nye, is sitting uh, incredibly wide legged on this on this stool like dancing around and he can't get the lyrics right and he keeps singing love is all around instead of christmas is all around um and it's it's really comedic gold and his manager joe is like dude this is awful 
<laughs> he's like, I know this is awful, but we're going to make a lot of money. It's going to be fine. Um, yeah. Just go That's with it, right. Billy I, Mac. I love, um, yeah, I love he, uh, he finally gets the lyrics right. And, um, you know, he's like, he's like, this is, this is, uh, real terrible. I uh, uses some uh, adult language there. And his uh, manager is like, yeah, but it's solid gold and terrible. Uh, and that's exactly what it's going to be. Um, and then there's a bunch of storylines here. Um, and in order to keep these, uh, straight ish, uh, what we thought we would do is we'd kind of break these, uh, kind of relationships down a little bit into who they are and then talk about kind of, uh, who they are to each other and kind of, you know, their relationship and how it works, uh, through the movie. And I think kind of the next couple that we get introduced to, um, which is kind of interesting because they're like, like the least impactful. And I guess like the whole, like entire narrative of the story. Um, I think that they're, they're just kind of, uh, friends with one of the production assistants here, but that is John and Judy. Um, and they are played by Martin Freeman and Joanna page, Joanna page playing just Judy there. Um, and, yeah. uh, these, these two are an interesting, interesting characters as some body doubles. And, uh, I don't know, some sort of, uh, some sort of film that you might not be allowed to watch unless you're of legal age. That's right. I, I think they are professional stand-ins for, uh, so they're not stand-ins for an adult film. I think they are stand-ins for adult portions of a normal film is what I'm going to believe, uh, just given all the people that they have on the set. Um, they're stand-ins for adults, <laughs> uh, adult portions of this film. Correct. Correct. Um, and it's so interesting because they look like normal human beings and they're like, in this very strange position, kind of uh, meeting each other for the first time. And they're very professional. I love John uh, because uh, there's moments where he has to put his hands on her and he's like, hey, uh, I'm going to do this now. Are you OK with it? And he gets consent like a like a person should. It's really great. Um, but they're there. It, it's very funny because they're talking about like the weather and the traffic and like his hand is all over her body. And it's just really hilarious um, in an adult way. So um, know this going in. When you watch this film, this part's not for kids. So maybe think twice before you show it to a child. Um, specifically for these, for this, for this couple alone, because everything else is kind of adult, but this is very adult. That's right. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some language throughout, but yeah, obviously uh, this part's and it, it's playing on like that comedic element, right? That uh, that John and Judy here are these stand-ins, and they're. Uh, they're naked performing kind of these uh these love scenes here in this movie as these uh as these body doubles and they're just having completely normal conversations uh which is actually very incredible uh you know martin freeman you know at this time wasn't kind of the martin freeman that we know now you know from the from the hobbit and the mcu and stuff like that and uh joanna page i'm not super familiar with who is uh playing our our just judy oh. character here but i think that they're um really excellent and i like it it kind of blows my mind that you would be able to have this conversation under these um circumstances without you know uh acknowledging that you're that you're doing it um i don't know really really good and this is one of my favorite uh, relationships in the movie michaela yeah no totally because even though they do things that look really scandalous and very adult they seem to be the most innocent and like uh, exploratory in their love for each other or their like for each other at first because when they're offset and they're being normal and they're not naked in these weird compromising positions they're actually quite shy um and even uh and and Joanna Page is amazing she was in Gavin and Stacy um which was an, an English show for years and really wonderful uh, they're very um just uh, under 
under understated and subdued in their like for each other. Um, and so I love when Martin Freeman's character, Jack, kind of asks her out. And again, he's like wrapped around her leg or something. And he's like, hey, I was just thinking maybe we could go out. <laughs> and he's like seeing her naked. Like, it's so weird. And it's so off not off-putting, but it's so contradictory to what we think of when we start dating someone or when we decide we're going to like somebody because that is not the business most people are in. And so mm -hmm. he's seen all these things and he's still like really shyly asking her, like, do you want to go for a cup of coffee? And you don't have to, like, he's very sure that he like wants to get like enthusiastic consent to get a cup of coffee when he has yeah. literally seen the inside of her body. I mean, it's been, it's really crazy to me and it's so funny. Yeah, it's it's really great. They do finally go out on their dates and like how awkward John is to like lean in and uh, give her a kiss. And then she finally kisses him and, you know, says that they can, uh, you know, go out and he he does like this like cheer and jumps down from the steps. So uh, that one's pretty good. Like I said, that one's uh, that one's maybe my favorites uh, of the actual like relationships here in the film. Uh, and let's go ahead and uh, get into uh, the probably the most controversial of the relationships here in the film. That is the one between Juliet and Peter and Mark. Now, Juliet and Peter um, are starting the movie off. They are about to get married um and mark is there uh to be the creepiest dude the creepiest i don't know he's not even like a groomsman he's just sitting there being super creepy all the time uh what do we think here michaela juliet peter okay. and mark we've got Juliet right. played by kira knightley we've got peter who's played by Choidal ijafor and mark who is played by uh none other than the walking deads uh what's his name uh andrew lincoln yeah yeah andrew lincoln by the way andrew lincoln mark was the best man. He literally was standing next to the groom uh, videotaping. So he wasn't just creepy. Um, so Brian and I have a differing opinion on this whole scenario because I I agree with some things that, some points that Brian has made and, and we're gonna talk about it. But so Juliet and Peter, they are in love and they are getting married and um, it's a beautiful wedding and Mark is the best man and he like, is videotaping this whole time and he um we're led to believe at the beginning that he's videotaping mark because he kind of looks sad and happy at the same time but he creates some of these really beautiful moments during the wedding so he has um all you need is love kind of serenaded in this surprise kind of big band um i don't know yeah, no one notices Rendering... the four guys with trombone sitting next to them. They don't, the though. <laughs> they don't. And it's so funny. No, the people in the audience probably knew what was going on, but certainly the bride and the groom didn't. So at the end, after they say their vows and they're trying to walk out, you know, the flutists come up and the trombones come up. And then this guy who looks amazing, he looks like Tay Diggs, but it's not Tay Diggs. It's a really amazing singer, sings this like kind of bluesy version of All You Need Is Love from the Beatles. And it's really beautiful. And Mark is like, hey, I had nothing to do with it, but you know he totally did and so um they're at the reception and we see laura linney's character uh kind of steps up to him uh and says hey are you in love with him because you know you've been staring at them the whole time and he's like absolutely not and so you think that maybe mark has had this unrequited love for his best friend peter the whole time or at least that's what i thought um he doesn't seem to really like juliet at all like she has a problem with her video with her videographer and she calls him and even peter is like hey be nice to my wife and Mark's like, I'm nice. What are you talking about? But as soon as she tries to ask him, hey, I, I know you took some video of the day. Do you think you can let me look at it? Because my videography is awful. And I just would like one picture of me in a wedding dress. And he's like, yeah, I probably don't have any of it. I can't. I don't want to talk to you. Goodbye. And it's really strange 
until she shows up at his mm-hmm. house and mm-hmm. offers mm-hmm. him a banoffee pie, which is a which is like a hot lava pie filled with hot banana. It's kind of gross, but if you like banana, it's great. Um, and she's like, "Hey, sounds good. Why don't you like me? I don't understand. Like, we should be friends. I'm really nice, and we both really like Peter." And he's like, yeah, okay, but we still can't find the video. Turns out the video is like right on the shelf. She pops it into the videotape and she sees that it's not Mark uh, or not Peter that he was videotaping. It was her the whole time. And she has this beautiful like realization that comes across her face. And she's like, I'm so confused. You don't even like me. You don't talk to me. Why would you? Why is it me? And he's like, yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't talk to you. I, I, it's a, I, I can't, I just can't. And so he leaves his own apartment because he can't talk to her about the fact that he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he is uh, in love with her, and he takes a super creepy uh, video of her, uh, which he labels and just leaves out on his uh, on his shelf there. What are you doing, guy? Yeah. So I, she turns up. She's trying to she's trying to amend some bridges, right? She knows that uh, her new husband and this guy are best friends, and she doesn't want to you know get in the way of that. She wants to see you know if they can uh, be be friendly and amicable. She brings him a pie. That seems good to have Kira Knightley bring you some sort of banana flavored pie. That sounds good. But and yeah, I mean, she finds the video. Of course she does, because it's just sitting right there. Because uh, he's probably watching it like a hundred times, like a weirdo, Andrew Lincoln. Uh, what are what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You're at, you're at a wedding. Uh, don't do that. That's a little stalkerish, I think, to just take a video of someone. That's super weird. Um, and then the relationship, uh, their relationship, uh, is going to carry on then when he decides to insert himself later on uh, in the film by going and pretending to be some carolers uh, so he can give her this message that for some reason he feels he needs to get off of his chest. And I don't like that, Michaela. Um, I think she just left one enough alone. When you left, you kind of said your you said your goodbye. You said what you needed to say. Now she knows uh, that you're kind of odd and uh creepy a little bit um uh, and that maybe you're in in love with her um and that's that's fine that's fine leave it there that's all you need to do don't go to the house don't do it come on come on Andrew Lincoln what are you doing yeah well so it's funny because that moment of him showing up with these cards the you know these cue cards that he like shows one at a time right and it's like to me you are perfect and it's Christmas so I have to tell you the truth and I'm in you know and I'm gonna be in love with you and Um, But he's like, I don't have any hope or agenda. I agree with you, Brian. I think when you're young and you're, how old was I? I was 22. I think when I saw this film, I was like, that's so romantic. No, no, that part's not romantic. That part's a little weird because now, um, you know, Juliet has to do something with that. What is she going to do with that? I don't know. I mean, to be fair, I think Mark did the right thing. He never told her. He never let on that he he wanted video of her, which is a little creepy, I suppose. But it wasn't it. it, I don't know. It wasn't it was in a public place where she was getting video videographed anyway. If it had been like him, like sneaking around videotaping her, that would bother me. It was like 10 minute video of just her face is so weird. It's so weird. It is, but somebody wants to be loved that much, I'm sure. Anyway. Maybe your husband. Maybe your husband <laughs> was the one loving her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you, maybe maybe Peter. Peter was... what, what is she supposed to do with that? Is she supposed to go upstairs and tell, tell Peter, be like, hey, you know, Mark just uh, told me that he loved me forever. Or is she just supposed to keep that inside of her for the rest of her life? What What's the yes. deal, Mark? Yeah. I don't, I don't it, like this. It, I don't like this one at all. I didn't, I didn't like it in 22. I knew uh, that you shouldn't be a creepy <laughs> stalker back then. Michaela, I guess you didn't know, but I knew, so... Yeah. Uh, well, we could talk about why men and women felt very differently about this film at this 
this particular juncture, but all's well that ends well with this one because uh, Mark uh, and Peter and Juliet manage to stay friends. Juliet uh, gives Mark a kiss at the end. She and she kind of like shoves like she grabs him and she's like yep thanks for telling me i really appreciate it and then she goes back to be with her husband peter and mark shows up at the end of the movie because they are all they're picking up i don't know where who are they picking up they're picking up somebody um oh they're just back it's from another... their, uh, they're back from their honeymoon i think i, I think. don't know i don't know it doesn't everyone matter. knows it doesn't everyone knows everyone it doesn't matter they're at the airport and they're all all three are together uh which is also kind of kind of weird um on his side notes i don't know if uh if peter knew about this uh, if this uh love affair uh gone amok uh or not but yeah that one's that one's the most uh a complicated one i think so let us know um at home what your thoughts are on the uh, juliet's peter and mark dynamic here let's get into one that's a little bit more um kind of straightforward i suppose um and that is sarah and carl so we have sarah who is played by by, uh Laura Linney and Carl who is played by oh Carl <laughs> he's so beautiful <laughs> um he was in oh my yeah. gosh uh he was in um the 300 he was the crazy Persian king in 300 yeah, uh, he, was, uh, he was in uh he was in lost as well he was in he's been in rodrigo a santoro i think his oh. name rodrigo santoro yeah he's um are playing playing these two and beautiful. these two are colleagues right so now they're colleagues at alan rickman's uh characters uh firm and that's how they know each other i really like kind of they get uh introduced to each other um alan rickman's character is uh like uh when are you going to tell this dude or how long have you worked for me and how long have you been in love with carl um and that's been like the the same amount of time but they eventually kind of hit it off at this uh holiday party and end up uh, end up going home together, but um, all things are not not going so great uh, for for uh, poor Sarah here uh, in this instance. Yeah, oh, this is this is tough because Sarah's played by Laura Linney, and it's Sarah that actually uh, picks up on what's going on between that something's amiss at Daniel or at Mark and Peter and Juliet's wedding, right? So she's the one who asks Mark, "Hey, what's going on?" Um, she has been in love with this guy forever. He finally sees her. They are dancing. They he go he takes her home, and then he's like, you know, I could come upstairs. And the soundtrack to this film is amazing. There are so many great songs, and they put on Eva Cassidy's version of Songbird. It's gorgeous and it's heartbreaking. And they start to kind of make out on the on the bed, and he's like really into her. He's like, "You're so beautiful." But then her brother calls, and her brother has a tendency to call her a lot, and we don't really know why. Um, we don't we don't know the full story until about this moment where she answers the phone, and then she explains after she hangs up. Uh, she explains to Carl that Michael is her brother. He suffers from mental illness. He's in a psychiatric hospital, and um, you know, he doesn't have anybody if both of her parents are, are have passed. And so she is his only family and she can't, um, uh, you know, let go. Uh, she will always answer the phone. And so he's having a really tough time. He is talking about the Pope needing an exorcist or something. And it's kind of funny, but it's also really heartbreaking. And so she offers to go visit and, and drop everything that she's doing with Carl and go be there. And Carl does not take that very well. Um, he's not a jerk about it, but he's also like, okay, well, I guess this isn't going to happen then. And that this, and to me, that's this one is one of the most heartbreaking scenarios that we see because Sarah and Carl don't end up getting together because Carl kind of lets her go and she lets him let her go because he doesn't understand how important Michael is to her. And mm -hmm. it's really sad. Yeah, it's a it's 
this one here is uh, more of an example, I guess, of like uh, family uh, love rights, uh, putting, you know, kind of the kind of the needs of her uh, brother there uh, uh, above, I guess, her own needs, which is uh, which is very sad. And, yeah, she's not able to uh, to capitalize on this uh, trust. I really like kind of uh, when they get back to her um, little apartment kind of thing and, and they're they're standing there. I think they kiss and then she's like, all right, I just need a minute. And she like goes around the corner and she does like this little like uh, like silent like scream and like uh, throwing her hands yeah. up in the air and stuff. You know, she's she's so excited. You know, she's uh, apparently we've learned, you know, kind of uh, from the, the introductions of the characters here that she's been in love with this guy basically since the minute she laid eyes on him, I guess. And, you know, it's finally coming to fruition. But yeah, has to has to put her uh, her brother's needs above her own. And yeah, this one is uh, definitely definitely bittersweet because because on one hand, yeah, you want to be there for your family, but then on the other hand, you need to, you know, make sure you're uh, taking time uh, for yourself there. And unfortunately, Sarah's not able to do that. So Sarah and Carl, uh, check. Um, and here is uh, another one here that's not going to go very well. I don't think it's going to go very well uh, in the long run for anyone uh, here. But that is uh, Harry and Karen and Mia. So we have Harry uh, played by the amazing Alan Rickman, and we've got Karen who is played by uh, Emma Thompson, his wife, and then Mia, uh, his I guess uh, sort of like receptionist or uh, per, admin uh, personal assistant admin something like that played by uh heike mccotch and uh as it turns out uh harry is going to be a little little tempted by this uh temptress uh named mia uh who is basically offering him up the world on a silver platter and is he going to take the bait yes yes he is yeah yeah uh if you mean the world you mean her like in a red bikini thing uh that she makes sure that everybody sees at the christmas party which i think is interesting um with devil horns on yeah with uh... devil horns on Mm, yeah (laughs) not even Um, even trying to hide it not even trying to hide it it. and here's the thing harry and karen karen isn't stupid what I love, one of my favorite scenes, they're getting ready for bed at the end of that night. And Karen is like taking off her clothes. This is Emma Thompson, by the way, she's beautiful. This is not, this is, we're not body shaming here, right? She's gorgeous. She's taking off her clothes and she's making a joke. A not, body sh- not body shaming like the rest of the movie. Does, that's right. Sure. That's right. That's for sure. She's taking off her clothes and she's saying how she's joking, self-deprecating joke about how everything she, w- she wears is now once owned by Pavarotti. And Harry is like this good natured guy. He's like, well, Pavarotti is an amazing dresser and just like really sweet to her. Right. But she looks at him and she says, oh, Mia's very pretty. And he's like, oh, and she says, oh, you know, she is be careful. And I love that because this marriage apparently was 13 years long and uh, she knows her husband. She knows that he's attracted to her and she's not even mad at it. She's just like, Hey, don't mess this up, dude, because I'm not stupid. It's, and I think that it's, it's weird because in marriages, it's not that you're tempted. It's that you're tempted and give in. (laughs) I think that that's, that's the problem, right? I think being tempted is a pretty human thing. And she's not mad at that um, because she's not stupid and she's a pragmatist. But um, this whole thing kind of comes to a head when Harry decides uh, or is asked by Mia, he's going out Christmas shopping. And of course, she's like, hey, I want a gift. Give me something. And he's like, oh, OK. So he does something in his life that he's never done. And he goes to a jewelry counter and um Rowan Atkinson plays this amazing uh, store clerk that like flourishes uh, this <laughs> necklace and puts like freaking flower petals and like gold ganache and a and a and a <laughs> Christmas box in it. It's pretty amazing. What is but that? It, it's a cinnamon stick, sir. <laughs> it's a cinnamon stick, sir. And he's like, oh, oh my god, what are you gonna do? Um, covered in yogurt, covered in chocolate buttons. What 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 next? He's like, oh, this is so much more than a box. Anyway, 
Harry gives this necklace uh, and it's something like 270 pounds. I don't know. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's like $700 today. That's a lot of money. <laughs> okay. And, um, but Harry buys it and Karen kind of gets tipped off that he buys it. And he, she, she sees this necklace in his um, dresser thinking that it's, it's uh, going to be, yeah. In his, yeah. Thinking that it's going to be for her. And Karen does get a very nice gift. It's Christmas Eve. So they're allowed to have one gift before uh, Christmas morning. That's what they do in their family. And so she finds this box that looks exactly like the right shape to be this necklace. Karen opens it up. And it is not that it is Joni Mitchell's both sides now. And it's kind of this really beautiful album, by the way. Um, and Harry thinks that he is like God's gift to the world because he's like, hey, um, you once said you like Joni Mitchell and that you were in love with her. And, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. this is isn't this nice of me? Aren't I thoughtful? Aren't I wonderful? But you're not getting a necklace because I'm giving it to Mia, who's like super hot. <laughs> But he, yeah, and now you have to go cry before our kids go to their talent show uh, thing where they're playing a lobster that you just spent the whole uh, movie making a lobster costume for. Yeah, this one's pretty bad, Harry. What are you do even doing? Uh, Mia totally has got him, you know, like hook, line, and sinker. She's just dropping all these little uh, not-so-subtle uh, hints at Harry, and he's definitely going to take the bait and uh, buys her that gift. Um yeah, this one, this one's, uh, this one's pretty, pretty not good, not good. Uh, Michaela on a couple of levels because yeah, Karen sees him, you know, at the jewelry counter, uh, you know, uh, getting, getting the the necklace, right? I don't think he gets it kind of there at that point, but she knows that he's looking at that, and then obviously she sees the box in his uh, jacket later, so that's bad, and then the timing is is real bad. Not that the timing is ever going to be uh, great for that, so so that's bad to be buying gifts for uh, your admin at work. On the other hand, also bad uh, to be uh, trying to hook up with your admin at work. That's like an HR issue, Harry. That's a, that's a, like a, a double strike. And Mia does not yeah. strike me as the kind of person that you want to uh, uh, sort of finagle a relationship with uh, <laughs> yeah. that way. I don't think I don't think that's ever going to go very well for you there, uh, Harry. But yeah, I mean, it does. It gets you the, the great scene. The, the Rowan Atkinson scene is is amazing there as he's uh, kind of wrapping up this thing and then he pulls out like this giant box to put it in he's like what are you, what is this it's uh it's it's not great but you know Alan Rickman is is so amazing kind of in this role and you know they're little um his kind of interactions uh, with his wife uh Karen Emma Thompson there are are really good and they're you know such good actors and the way they have kind of this little little like banter and banter and then you get the the absolutely like incredible and uh very crushing scene where karen goes in uh to the room and Joni mitchell is playing and she just you know allows herself to have like a like a 30 second uh little uh little breakdown there before going on and putting on her uh happy uh wife and mother face to take the kids to the to the show because you know the the kids don't have anything to do with harry's bad decisions so bad news bad news Harry, Karen, and Mia. Uh, let's get on to another one here uh, that's also potentially bad news. Michaela, a lot of bad news here on this one. We're going to have to uh, come come to come to terms here on this one. <laughs> David and Natalie, our newest prime minister and his former employee. Yeah, yeah. So uh, David's brand new. Uh, he was just like, I, I don't know when this happens in England because I'm not English, but apparently this happens right before Christmas when they when they have their change of ownership or leadership. And so he goes into 10 Downing Street and he's starting to meet his um, staff and he meets Natalie. Natalie is a, a new junior member of the household. She's in charge of giving uh, David biscuits and, and coffee and tea and things like that. Um, 
And he immediately finds himself attracted to her. She's got a bit of a potty mouth. She is real pretty. Um, although she she was with a guy who everybody thinks she's chubby. And that is a bunch of BS. She's gorgeous, uh, by the way. She's not chubby. And one thing I love is that David doesn't fall for that. When somebody else is, is shaming her, he's like, would we call her chubby? <laughs> would we say that about um, He doesn't say... Her. He doesn't say we shouldn't call her that or don't call people that or it's rude to call someone that. He just says, is that what we call her? <laughs> it's very English kind of he doesn't, way. He doesn't, he doesn't stand up for her. Doesn't stand up for her there. Doesn't stand up for when President Billy Bob Thornton comes and is hitting on her. Doesn't say a word to him. Uh, he uses it to empower himself to give a, a passionate speech, but he doesn't stand up for her in that moment. That's uh, that's another strike there. And he doesn't stand up to her in front of her family when her family calls her chubby later. Uh, this movie is full of, uh, of terrible uh, body shaming. I don't like it. Go on. You're you're right. You're right. You're right, Brian. Um, so David, David, David's kind of this uh, interesting character because you're rooting for him, but he apparently is also a really uh, not not amazing brother or present uncle uh, because David is actually brothers uh, with Karen. And so in this night where Karen has just found out that her husband is probably having an affair um, and she is, has been living this basically life of lie, uh, she, she David ends up showing up at their kids, the kids school uh to kind of hang out with natalie a little bit uh and get to know her a little bit more and he's not there for the kids at all but of course he doesn't say that um he's just like oh yeah happy to happy to see you and so it's been it's a very strange kind of uh scenario with david and natalie natalie does nothing wrong she's never done anything wrong she didn't she didn't do anything um to deserve necessarily being um moved but if david wanted to pursue a relationship with her he would have had she would have had to move or he would have had to step down as being prime minister that probably wasn't going to happen because <clears throat> the patriarchy so uh i thought when i thought that he redistributed her duties to somebody else that he did that because he was trying to save her in that way and get her and not have her be in trouble when he decided he wanted to date her, which was inevitably going to happen. I didn't, of course, Natalie doesn't see it that way. She sees that he's redistributed her because he's mad that, mm -hmm. you know, she, she stood there while Billy Bob Thornton was like trying to touch her neck or whatever that was. Yeah, of course she thinks it's uh you know, she's getting reassigned because of that. But no, I think, um, um, and my watching it, the way I take it is just that, uh, um, David can't uh, can't handle his feelings about Natalie, so he just has her, you know, reassigned off of his uh, staff, which is a bad move because he doesn't even uh, think about her, or doesn't even decide to like go out after her until she, he receives that Christmas card from her um, in a few weeks' time, right? So it's not like he had her reassigned mm -hmm. and then went on to pursue her. He got that and is like, oh yeah, that was that attractive girl that I fired. I should probably go check on that because I'm the prime minister. Uh, David and Natalie, there's a 16 year age gap there, which is okay, I guess. Uh, uh, but I don't know. Um, I don't know this one. This one's all right with me. Um, and then eventually, you know, it's kind of shown shown to the light, right? They go uh, here, kind of the the penultimates here of the of the story is all these people end up at this uh, kids kind of talent show, Christmas uh, show sort of thing that they get to, and they're they're backstage, uh, David and Natalie kissing, and then the you know the the curtains open up, and then all of uh, all of England then is uh, privy uh, to this new budding romance. But there's some uh, really good stuff here. Uh, David's David's character is pretty fun. I like uh, the scene where he's like dancing around, like his like apartment like house sort of thing that he gets to live in that that part's pretty good and of course you know uh hugh grant playing david is uh very uh you know charismatic and uh 
Hugh Grant like I guess throughout the film so that's pretty fun but the best the absolute best part and maybe my favorite part of the whole movie is when he's going door to door uh to look for Natalie um and they get there and they open the door and it's like these three little girls and they're like are you carolers and he's like uh nope um and they're like sing us a song anyway and they just start like like yelling at him so they start to sing good King Wenceslas and then like his like bodyguard driver uh police escort uh starts to sing and he has like this amazing like operatic voice that's that part is hilarious and amazing and uh what one of my favorites yeah i feel like that might have been something that they didn't tell hugh grant about um because if they did his shock at hearing this baritone voice from the back that's like good king wins and he's like oh my god his his face is uh comedic gold it's so good i cry i cry laugh every time i see it um and of course the kids are just like dancing around it's so funny um but he does he goes door to door and of course, as soon as he sees Natalie's family, she like lets out a cur- like a bunch of curses looking for her coat. And he's like, that's my girl. And I do like that uh, she's very much, um, she's totally infatuated with him. And so at the end, when they're at the airport, uh, she like does this running jump and he grabs her and it's like in your face, body shamers. I love it so much. She's in this beautiful red coat and he just seems really into her. Oh and- yeah. She has she has prime minister bucks at the end of uh end of it. She's wearing a very posh coat, uh looking pretty good, looking pretty good. Uh, my other favorite part, and it all has to do with them going uh kind of door to door and then getting to this uh kids thing is because he ends up uh going with Natalie like in the car, like she rides with him, but then like her little brother or something uh is in there and he's in like a dinosaur costume. I wish they would have shown us a little no, bit of this. It was an octopus costume because oh, it, it was eight okay. legs. She was like eight yeah. legs is a lots of paper mache david <laughs> yeah so uh and the kids like sitting in between them and then he like crawls over the lap of uh david when they get there yeah i wish they would have shown like a little bit of this kid's performance with the lobster and the octopus so that would have been that would have been really good that would have been really good so that is our uh, our prime minister and natalie uh there i don't know we can come back to that one uh let's see up next we've got jamie and aurelia so jamie is played by colin firth and aurelia is played by lucia moniz now uh david starts off the story here uh some pretty bad luck right he's there uh with his uh, girlfriend i think she's kind of kind of in bed feeling a little under the weather and he has to go in uh, i think to like work for the day or something like that and uh she's like oh, i'm just gonna stay here you go and it seems like they're a very happy couple right they're uh saying that they love each other giving each other some kisses but when david returns home a little bit early uh he finds like one of his friends or his neighbors there in the house um and it turns it's out his brother like, oh it's his brother oh, yeah even no worse. so that's and it's worse. jamie people People in these people in these are are the worst. They're they're the worst, and uh, yeah. So so that's bad. Your girlfriend's cheating with your brother. So what are you going to do except for go to France and work on your book? Yeah, yeah. You're gonna go. You're gonna go to France. Uh, but you're not gonna meet a French girl. You're gonna meet your poor. You're gonna meet the beautiful Portuguese housekeeper Aurelia, which is a lovely name, uh, by the way. Good name. Uh, True. And uh, Aurelia doesn't speak English. Uh, Jamie doesn't speak Portuguese. He barely speaks uh, any French. Um, there's this whole big thing where he's meeting the housekeeper uh, lady who lets lets him into the French cottage, and and he's she says, "Oh, you look you look happy. You look sad. You you don't you you didn't bring the girl with you." And he's like, "Well, you look like you're not very surprised." And uh, and there's this great thing where he tries to he's trying to talk to Aurelia but he has no idea how to speak Portuguese and she's uh kind of embarrassed but they have this really beautiful chemistry um and they're both mutually attracted to each other for sure um I love this storyline because Jamie's played by Colin Firth 
He's amazing. Everybody roots for Colin Firth's characters, right? I think this was this was right before or right after Bridget Jones's diary. And so you want him to uh, find love. You think that he's he's a nice guy. He deserves it. Um, Aurelia's got this beautiful, like, mysteriousness. She's very austere. She's, um, uh, she, uh, we, we've not seen her, uh, uh, Lucia Moniz in in a lot of American films, so she's kind of this a, a, a mysterious ambiguousness about her that's really uh, attractive. And I love the scene where he's deciding to write on a typewriter in the middle of France on a dock around a lake. <laughs> now Jamie's obviously it- not very smart. He had no idea that his girlfriend was sleeping with his brother. She, he had, and then when his brother's like there, he has no idea to even be worried or wonder like, what the heck are you doing here? He's just like, Oh, you're here to pick up CDs. Cool. Like not a smart guy, Jamie. So in the yeah, first, he's wearing, like, his, his brother's wearing like a bathrobe or something when he comes. Right. Right. And it's out. like, okay, what are yeah. you doing here? Okay. Um, yeah. Big gust of wind, the papers go flying. They and Aurelia like takes off her clothes, most of her clothes, and jumps into the lake. I wouldn't have done that. Uh, I would have been like, looks like you're rewriting this stuff because this is this is horrible. And so they're both saying basically the exact same thing, but he's saying it in English and she's saying it in Portuguese, and you have no idea. And um, but he has to uh he has to go home. He's gonna go home and uh he's finished his book. And uh, he says goodbye to her. And it's so sad because you don't know if they're ever going to really see each other again. That's right. Yeah, they are going to uh, see each other, though, again. Um, Jamie wears the worst sweaters. Uh, that sweater looked like it was like, I don't know, like a burlap sack that he was wearing. Oh, what the heck is <laughs> up with that, Jamie? That's terrible. Uh, don't ride outside um, in the windy, blustery France. It's still it's still like two weeks away from Christmas. It's still cold in France, by the way. Sit inside uh, by the fire and write your book. What are you doing? Um, it is Aurelia's fault, though, because she takes like the coffee cup off of his papers and they fly into the lake. So, yeah, get in there and get those papers back is what, is what he says. But, yeah, those those papers are ruined for sure. Um, yeah, they don't uh, speak the same language. You get like a little like montage then of Jamie going to like the like language center and listening to like, I don't know, like a book on tape trying to trying to learn how to speak Portuguese. So that's pretty nice. And then he goes home for uh, the holidays. Right. He gets like home for Christmas. Uh, it's a really great scene because he goes in and like all the like all the little kids, there's like 100 people like in this little like tiny flat he gets gets into and all the kids are like, hey, it's Uncle Jamie. Yay, Uncle Jamie's here. And he's like, uh, I got to go because he's going to go to Portugal to chase after this girl. And all the kids are like. Uh, we hate Uncle Jamie. It's so great. Uh, I like that uh, quite a bit. And yeah, so what does Jamie do? He flies all the way to Portugal and is able to find his uh, housekeeper um, in the middle of Portugal, which seems like a daunting task. Portugal is not the biggest country, but it's it's still a whole whole country that you could go and find Aurelia in. But he does. He goes and finds her. Uh, there apparently is another sister uh, who's also being body shamed uh, in this for some reason. Uh, her dad even calls her like Miss Duncan Donuts. That's terrible. Uh, that's no good. But he is there to profess his love and ask for the hand of marriage to this girl that he just met two weeks ago has never said a word to um and just got broken up with by or just got found out he was cheated on two weeks ago maybe this is a little bit of a rash decision jamie i don't know aurelia seems pretty great but uh maybe maybe like date first or like talk go out to dinner now she can speak english you can speak portuguese kind of sort of maybe maybe uh maybe take a take a week spend christmas and revisit in the new year i don't know (laughs) maybe maybe go on a date you know, at the beginning of this podcast, Brian, I said this was like an intelligent romantic comedy, and I'm I'm rethinking that choice now <laughs> with the way that you uh, talked about all of these. So thanks for that. But um, it is a really beautiful moment because he, you know, 
he is walking through this town in Portugal and they're, they, they, it starts with, Hey, they're going to, they're, they're trying to marry, you know, he, he wants to marry my sister Aurelia. Then he's like, he wants to sell her and keep her. Yeah, as it's, a like slave. Game of, it's like that game of killer. telephone. It's, yeah. What's it? Yeah. It goes together. Like the whole town on? is, the whole town is following uh, behind they him as they go up. to this, go to this restaurant. And then the, like the owner of the restaurant, it's like, uh, he can't marry Aurelia cause she's my best waitress. <laughs> right. And it's like, Oh, okay. Um, but he, uh, Jamie, you know, asks her in this broken Portuguese to get married and Aurelia has it she says yes okay that would be nice uh she learned English and he learned uh Portuguese in this really broken way and it's really beautiful because she says you know I did just in cases and uh it's really great moment uh Jamie and Aurelia end up end up getting I don't know I don't know if they're engaged because we see them later and she's not wearing a ring uh but she does really they do have this really beautiful chemistry because when they come back he brings her back to the airport she meets some of his other friends and she's immediately like one of the gang she's like ah oh, you know he didn't tell me that his friends were this good looking maybe I picked the wrong one maybe I picked the wrong Englishman and he's like mm. she 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 didn't speak a word of English she doesn't know what she's saying and it's really funny um but you're really rooting for these two at the end um even though they barely know each other and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever your heart is still really excited for them because jamie and aurelia deserve a good ending they do deserve a good ending uh let's uh go ahead and go to one that does uh, have a good ending here and that is uh colin this is our our uh, kind of uh inspiration for our cocktail this week our uh, our wisconsin uh dive bar cocktail because we we meet colin like right at the beginning of the film like he's going in he's like delivering sandwiches to this office i think he even says to like mia that she's his uh, future wife or something but none of these girls are giving him uh any respect any time of day so what does he do he sits down with his pal tony and says i just have to go to america you know girls in england don't appreciate me but girls in america will so he flies off to the exotic land of wisconsin uh goes to a bar and he meets a couple of lovely young ladies who do seem to be interested in what colin has to offer uh by terms of the way he says things like bottle and table bottle and table yes uh so here here's the deal uh this is the part at which i fully disclose and i'm married to someone who's english um and that accent that that will that will cover a, a lot of sins um, Colin is really kind of a numpty head. He is not super smart. Um, he, he's really not wise with women. He's a little weird. Um, you want to talk about creepy. He was the one who was like handing out, like, he was like, taste my taste, you know, taste my spicy nuts as he's like handing out sandwiches. I yeah, mean, yeah. not, not, not somebody, uh, that most, most women would date, but he goes to America. He says bottle and table and like, you know, uh, Frizzledon, Buzz. I'm from Buzzledon, <laughs> and and all the girls are like, "Oh my God, you're just so cute." Uh, and then, of course, all of them live together. They all are so poor. They don't wear pajamas, and they all sleep in the same bed. And it's like this. It's this Englishman's wet dream of what it would could possibly look like in America. And he brings a couple girls home. He brings home. Um, uh, I I don't know. He brings home. Uh, oh, uh, what's her name? Carla? Uh, well, no. Yeah. So he, so he, he ends up he ends up going because we meet we meet the three girls um in the bar there and then they you know they talk about uh uh Harriet uh Harriet you know is the sexy one we don't meet Harriet there but when Colin makes his way back to uh to talk to to Tony Harriet is in tow and also the real friendly one Carla so Shane and Elizabeth and Denise Richards here are these girls and there's uh three other girls that he meets in the bar so I guess success for Colin if you know the the intent was to fly you know 3,500 miles to the middle of Wisconsin in winter uh which seems like a real bad idea um 
but uh, looking for love. Colin found it. So hopefully he found himself a dirty snowball in Wisconsin while he was there. I think he has a Budweiser, right? King of beers. I guess that's what you're going to do if you're going to England or if you're going to the United States for the first time. Uh, maybe have one of those. I don't know for sure. Um, I really like kind of like his like banter, like back and forth with his friend Tony. And Tony's like, girls in America also have eyes. They can still see that you're like the ugliest dude ever. So, so I think that that's pretty good. But uh, they seem like they're a pretty, pretty jovial lad. So I guess good job, Colin. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you strike it off really good there with the uh with the sexy one um and uh tony can uh hit it off there with the uh the friendly one uh and that leaves us with uh with the best one here michaela this is the big one um it's not really not really the best and we're gonna talk about why that is here at least for part of it michaela um and that's because we meet these characters here it's daniel uh played by liam neeson and his uh stepson uh sam who is played by thomas brody sankster um but we're meeting them at the funeral of Daniel's Daniel's wife, um, and it's it's very touching. Um, you know, he goes up there and he's he's talking about his wife, and then you know she's saying goodbye in the only way that she did because apparently this uh, this death was expected. She must have had some sort of terminal illness, and they'd kind of kind of planned out how this was going to go. And they play the uh, Bay City Rollers there, um, and you just see Liam Neeson just looking absolutely uh, just like shell shocked uh as this kind of slideshow of his uh his passed away uh wife is playing behind him uh so that's pretty awful that's a pretty awful way to start your story uh daniel but as it turns out maybe there is some new love in the air because uh stepson sam seems a little bit despondent um daniel even says uh so much when he's talking to his friend uh karen there uh kind of about it not doing heroin it just turns out he's in love he's in love with joanna this girl from america that's right joanna is uh it's also an 11 year old girl and she's uh, everybody loves her because she's heaven. Brian, that comes out of an 11 year old boy's mouth. How beautiful is that? Boys, it's, it's, people it's, of all. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You know what, though? You know good. what, though? I got to I'm going to I'm going to make a, a little bit of a, a sticking point here. So Sam does love Joanna. He says there's this girl in my class. I've never talked to her, um, but I'm in love with her. Um, I need to show her that I'm amazing. And the way I'm going to do that is I am going to become a musician. Uh, he sees uh, Billy Mack singing his uh, Christmas song and says, "Ooh, girls seem to like uh, these musicians. I'm going to do that. So I'm going to learn how to play the drums. Uh, another great thing then is Liam Neeson's kind of walking uh, through the flats. And every time he walks by the door, you hear like the drumming uh, progressively is getting better. But there's also like all these notes that he's ha has written on his door. Right. So I, I don't want dinner or Ringo is the best. And, you know, kind of all of this stuff or rhythm is my life, I think, is one of them, yeah. uh, which is which is really fun. Um, but yeah, so he ends up playing the drums uh, for Joanna's song. But Joanna still doesn't take note of poor little uh, Sam until Sam rushes to the airport to tell her that he loves her. Oh, no, that's not true. That's not true, because at the at the at the pageant, she sings that song that we all love so much. We have not yet covered it on Drink the Music, um, but All I Want for Christmas is You. She does this really good song and she points to him. She points to him first and then she points to a bunch of other people. And we're led to believe as the audience that she was just pointing to, you know, people. But she pointed to him first and that meant something. So she had uh, liked him. Yeah, you're, you're shaking your head like you don't believe me, mm -hmm. but it's the truth. Go that's, go rewatch that scene. That is that it's, is how that's how you tell people that you like them. You don't actually tell them. You just point at them on stage. Well, that's uh, how I did it when I was young. Come on. Well, that's that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, Sam goes to the airport. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's Heathrow Airport, right? Uh, Daniel uh, gets him there. It's uh, it's really great. Um, you know, because they they kind of have this this back and forth, and you know the the relationship between like Daniel and Sam, you know, a father and son, or you know 
you know, stepfather and uh, stepson here in this instance is really, really great. So he talks and, you know, Sam is like, I've, you know, I've, I've been pretty sad, but I have the worst, the worst thing ever, ever is I've fallen in love and there's nothing I can do about it. And you have all these great scenes. There's a beautiful shot of them sitting on a park bench that's looking over like the financial district of uh, London there. You see like St. Paul's and stuff in the background. That looks uh, pretty, pretty epic there, that shot. And then uh, you get kind of the, the stuff they're watching like Titanic together, right? The only thing that can cure a broken heart is uh, is uh, Kate and Leo. And that's true. Uh, that's true. Uh, go back and listen to our Titanic episode. We uh, get into that a little bit and then yeah learns how to play the drums for joanna and rushes through the heathrow airport uh which is the best use of the soundtrack i think uh in the whole film here as he's kind of running through there uh we get our our best ever uh a uh, shop worker there. Rowan Atkinson is back to play a little bit of a distraction uh, and get Sam Sam in there. He, you know, kind of jumps over the security guard and gives chase. Uh, Hero Airport's a big place, so hopefully Sam had been working on his cardio to catch up with Joanna in time, but he gets there and says, I love you just before she gets on a plane uh, to fly back to America. But luckily, she's going to be back in a month's time, you know, after the Christmas uh, vacation, I guess. And uh, maybe, maybe young love, you know, uh, how how else... <laughs> what could be better what could be what better could than be your love Michaela oh nothing nothing's better and for Daniel it's really a, a really beautiful kind of turn of events because Daniel and Sam he calls uh Sam calls Daniel Daniel uh until that final scene where it's at the end of the pageant and he says I I I don't think it worked you know I don't think she, I don't think she's she knows and S Daniel says well Sam we got to go tell her you have to tell her because I your mother was perfect every day. And I should have told her every day, you got to tell her. And so he, and then he says, okay, dad, let's go get her. And it's like the most amazing kind of father son moment. And uh, then he immediately runs in to Carol, who looks just like Claudia Schiffer, which is a big joke because at the beginning uh, of the film, at the funeral, Daniel says that his wife had said, hey, Claudia Schiffer, she should be your date to my funeral. Um, and so it's kind of this sweet kind of um i don't know if it's like a note of approval from above or what but he's he's going to be able to move on and um there's definitely a mutual spark between daniel and carol and maybe that'll turn into something uh for daniel because you want him to to win uh and and ha not be so brokenhearted and i think that this story is my favorite of all of them because it it kind of ends really beautifully you're filled with a lot of hope <laughs> um and we needed one of those we needed one of like the eight relationships to be like re not realistic because you know Claudia Schiffer is only one person, uh, but 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 semi realistic of how this could work out, you know. That's right. I mean, they're not they're not all bad. Like I said, we started with John and Judy. That is the best, most pure of the of the romances. That's true. Um, or at least the at least the one without some sort of big like sad weight uh hanging hanging around the neck right. of, of the romance for sure but uh yeah that's kind of the the relationships here um as we've made our way through the movie um now all of these couples are intertwined and in, in some sense they're friends or things you can literally if you if you go onto your favorite uh web browser right now and type in love actually relationships there's all of like these flow charts and like posters and stuff that tell you how all of these people uh like interact and how uh they all uh get along with one another so i think that that is pretty pretty fun you don't really need to know that to keep track of uh, these relationships in the movie. Uh, the only one that I've always 
I always thought was a little bit confusing uh, was that Karen goes over to uh, Daniel's house and uh, they're, they're not super specific. They're just friends, I guess that, uh, that they're, they're hanging out there. You don't, cause you'd think that maybe she's some sort of like sister or like, uh, you know, like sister-in-law of his uh, past wife, but no, they're just friends, I guess there. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's the relationships. Michaela, are there any kind of scenes of the movie we didn't talk about when going through the relationship or um, anything that, that looks really good or the way that it's edited or parts of the story that you, that you really like and want to chat about before we. So uh, I re I do really like the way they film the airport, the airport, has a couple of really iconic moments just in general uh, it's a big focal point of the beginning of the film it's one of the best beginnings of a of a film uh ever i mean i think your wife totally nailed it it's the best part of the movie is the opening sequence when they say anytime i feel sad i just go look at the um arrivals gate at heathrow airport um it's so true um the way that they depict the airport and when Sam is running through it and it's really beautifully done. The musical score is amazing for this film. Um, I don't know. Look, I don't know enough about music, even though I have a podcast about it to really um, speak uh, as to how intrinsically beautiful it is or well, or, or artistically sound or whatever, but it sounds amazing. That's the sweeping movements and the, the, the sounds of the strings and kind of this, the, the symphonics really lend itself to want to hopefulness and like a heart swell that you feel. And you feel that numerous times in the film. And I really love the score. Um, I thought the soundtrack where, um, which is not the score. Those are two different things. Um, but the soundtrack is also amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Every Christmas, I love listening to the soundtrack as well as the score, which is interesting because the soundtrack is not Christmassy. Um, it's but it's got some of our favorites on it, right? It's got Kelly Clarkson's "The Trouble with Love." It's got Eva Cassidy's "Songbird," which is amazing. It's got. Um, Oh my gosh, it's got Nora Jones's Turn Me On. It's so good. Um, and then, of course, we've covered the Beach Boys from Pet Sounds. Um, it's got God Only Knows, which is the ending kind of epic song uh, where you see all these pictures uh, and video of people seeing each other after being away uh, at Heathrow Airport. And that's really beautiful. Um, yeah, so th- those are the things. I think you've talked about every scene that was done um, but those those things are the, the reasons why this this movie continues to stand out and that I watch it every Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. The the music is pretty good. It's uh, Craig Armstrong did the uh, the musical uh, soundtrack score here. Um, also composed uh, Moulin Rouge and Great Gatsby um, Ray. So, you know, pretty, uh, pretty prolific, uh, composer there in terms of that. Um, I, I do like kind of the, the end swell song. It's actually the same one that plays when, uh, Hugh Grant's giving his like presidential speech there, uh, his prime minister's speech there next to, uh, Billy Bob Thornton's, uh, president speech too. And it, it swells, it sounds a lot to me like a, like some sort of like sports movie, uh, <laughs> theme that kind of, kind of swells up through there, but it's really great as, uh, you know, uh, little, uh, little Sam is running through the airport there and, and kind of, you know, captures that youthful, like innocent, uh, love. Right. So, uh, that's pretty nice. Um, yeah. And that is, that's kind of love. Actually, we didn't really run through the the story. Basically it's just all of these people, um, you know, are kind of going through these relationships and then it all kind of comes together at the end when they go to this, uh, kind of children's, uh, Christmas play. Really, that's pretty much the gist of it over the course of this five weeks. Um, Billy ends up winning the, uh, the Christmas uh, special, which is good. And he has his own kind of relationship uh, redemption there as uh, he's going to uh, get together on Christmas Eve with his uh, 
manager, uh, Joe, played by uh, Gregor Fisher. Uh, that one's really nice. And Bill Nye is kind of this uh, stereotypical, I guess, uh, rocker guy, I guess, that, you know, wants to wants to go out and party and, uh, you know, have fun and, and things like that. And Joe's just kind of uh, been there as, you know, kind of the kind of the backbone of uh, Billy Mac throughout the years and uh, underappreciated. I think uh, Billy Mac, even on the, the radio thing, says, uh, you know, my my manager, the ugliest man in the world, Joe, or something, something like that. But they uh, end up uh, coming back together when uh, Billy Mac leaves Elton John's party to, to come back because that's who he really wants to spend uh, New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve with, which I think is uh, uh, pretty neat uh, there. So that's another kind of a, a relationship love story that we're uh, getting there um, in terms of these old uh, old friends and uh, coworkers and colleagues and stuff like that. So um, I don't know, Michaela, that is that's love. Actually, we've had this on the docket to do for uh, basically the three uh, or so years of uh, Christmas stories that we've been uh, doing now up to this point. And uh, you and I always uh, go a little bit back and forth. Um, now, one thing is is very clear uh, here is that we both really, really like the movie. Um, but I've always contested that this is uh, not the real like like rom-com that I think it gets labeled as. I think that this is uh, there's a lot of sadness in here, but I really think that it's a really kind of good and interesting and um, well wit well-written and well-crafted tale of of all of these relationships you know kind of kind of good bad and uh indifferent right not not all mm. of these are are happy stories for sure and even the happy ones have this sort of layer of sadness to them you know at least in my eyes and i think that it's interesting from that standpoint right like not all of you know all 20 of these people don't just go and fall heads over heels for someone on these five magical weeks up to christmas right it's it's a much more realistic look at love i think yeah no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think over the course of the 20 years that this film has been out, and it's been out 20 years now, mm -hmm. um, you know, I found myself, uh, I never found myself as Judy, which is kind of sad <laughs> and good, probably. Just, I don't know. Um, just Michaela. Just Judy. Just Michaela. They got um, my name right. But, just, just Judy. <laughs> just Judy, though. Um I definitely found myself in the in certain aspects of these characters, right? And then there are characters you never want to find yourself beyond be being for, right? Where you know you you're totally in love. Like I've been in, you know, I felt like an office romance with someone like Carl, where you're like, oh my gosh, he's so beautiful, and I'm just totally in love with him. Oh my gosh! Uh, and then um, <clears throat> you know that that sort of thing. You as you as I've gotten older, my feelings about the film have changed, and how I saw myself and mm -hmm. experiences. I mean, being younger, I was like, man, it totally isn't cool um, that. Um, Laura Linney's character chooses her brother. I was like, man, don't choose your brother. Choose Carl. Carl's hot, you know? Um, and as I've gotten older, I'm like, man, Carl could have, if it was really real, then it would have been real. And Carl, Carl could have put his feelings aside because he cared about, um, he cared about her and she, he cared about her brother. Right. I mean, that's kind of hard, but that, that, why, why didn't he do that? And then you know, thinking about some of the choices that people make. And, you know, there's a big point of contention um, about um, Karen and Harry and whether or not they stay together, right? Because at the end, um, it's not really clear. He comes back from a trip and she's there to mm -hmm. pick him up with the kids because they're still married. She hasn't left him um, right. at that point. But you don't know. And everybody's got feelings, right? I think every woman I've ever talked to is like, oh, no, She's she's definitely done. I don't think they're going to make it. I don't think she's going to forgive him. And then a lot of other people are like that I've talked to are like, no, nah, she eventually gets over it and it, it turns out being OK. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I'm still kind of torn on that one. Um, 
There apparently is a 15-minute sequel uh, that came out uh, to this in 2017, uh, and maybe it addresses that. I haven't watched it because I'm, I'm, I think at that point, uh, Alan Rickman had passed, and I, I don't know if I could watch this story without him in it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I have no idea if that's covered or not, but uh, if it has and you guys want to talk about it, let us know. Drop us a line. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, that is Love Actually from 2003. It's uh, it's something that we watch pretty much every year, I think, you know, in these uh, 20 years since it's it's been coming out. And in a lot of ways, the story is obviously it's it's kind of this love story. It's meant to be kind of this romantic comedy. And certainly there are comedic bits uh, throughout the whole whole film. It is a pretty funny movie, um, actually. But it's it's almost in a way kind of like a like a coming of age story, but it's being played out across all of these different couples. Uh, right. It's like a, a coming of love uh, story for people as you can uh, kind of go through like all of these different aspects and phases of love and relationships and stuff like that. So uh, it's a good one. Uh, give it a watch. And it's uh, perfect to kind of set the tone for Christmas, gets you in the holiday spirits and uh, leads you up in those uh, fateful five weeks coming in to the holidays. So let us know what you think about to love actually out there, who your favorite couple is, or uh, if we're completely wrong on some of these things, let us know that and let us know if you make your way up to uh, Wisconsin for a dirty snowball. And if you don't, if you make one at home, that's okay too. Send us pictures. We want to see all of that stuff. And if you want to see pictures of ours and uh, written recipes, you can do that on our website. That's www.drinkthemovies.com. If you want to send us uh, any uh, feedback or info or pictures of your cocktails, do that on our social medias. It's at drinkthemovies on Instagram and X and threads and blue sky and facebook.com slash drinkthemovies. Uh, if you want to go and get some more bonus content, behind the scenes stuff, uh, cocktail chats, all that good stuff the best way to do that is on our patreon patreon.com slash drink the movies we definitely appreciate all of our patrons over there who are letting us uh do fun stuff and uh have a good time and hopefully uh vote on some more uh upcoming bonus episodes as we make our way through the holiday season michaela we also appreciate anyone who takes the time out of their busy schedule to uh leave a review for the podcast because that helps get the podcast out there where can people do that you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify good pods anywhere where spotify podcasts are distributed and supported. Um, if, whatever you're listening to on your rectangle right now, there's a subscribe button. If you're liking what you're hearing, please press that because we would love to talk to you more about all things, drink the movies, drink the music. Um, and if you're liking what you're hearing, tell your friends, leave us a five-star review. Uh, we're back to talking about movies as well as music uh, here and there. So please uh, do that. It really helps us get drink the movies stuff out there. Uh, we're so glad to be back talking about films um, and, and we're just knocked out. This is the best job in the world. And thank you all for making it happen because you you as the listeners are the ones who really control whether we get to keep doing it. So thank you for that. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to be back next week with the 1964 TV classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, one of my favorite uh, holiday films of them all. Can't wait to talk about that and how creepy that stop motion looks. So we're going to be uh, doing that next time. So thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time on Drink Drink the the movies. Movies. What we did, we replaced the word love with Christmas. Right. Bill, Bill Nye is the best part. He's the best part of the whole movie. He's so good. And I love it when he looks at him and he's like, you're the effing love of my life. <laughs> oh, you're the love so of good. my life. <laughs> so, uh, good. so good.